Hello, welcome to Situation Positive, a positive community for those living with chronic illness. My name is Matt Cavallo, and I'm joined with my co-host, Tara Tingey. Hey, Tara. Hey, everyone. I'm Tara Tingey, and I'm honored today to introduce our guest, Angela Rigglesworth. Angela, welcome to Situation Positive. Hey, Tara and Matt. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Awesome. Well, let's jump right in. Tell us a little about yourself. Well, I am a 43, oh my gosh, saying that out loud, I'm 43, 43-year-old 43 um, living in Houston, Texas, and I am um, a school teacher uh, and have a um, condition called spinal muscular atrophy. Um, it was something that I was um, born with. I was diagnosed at the age of 16 months way back in the in the 70s, and uh yeah, it's, it's just been an interesting life. So my um, disease process, and I started off, I was a lot stronger when I was younger. I was able to um, crawl and pull up on furniture, um, but I wasn't ever able to walk. And so um, I, you know, pretty early on went into um, using a wheelchair back in the, in those days, they didn't put kids in, in chairs quite as young as they do now. So um, I used a stroller and then I got my first chair when um, I was in kindergarten. It was purple. It was so cute. Um, and so I, I uh, you know, kind of had an, an, uh, a little bit more strength and was able to, to use my manual wheelchair and then um, transitioned into an a power chair and use that now um, just to kind of get through life. Um, I have a backup, which I highly recommend for anybody because when these things go out, um, you need a backup. So save your old ones and make sure to keep up with them. Um, that's kind of a random life tip from me. But um, yeah, so I am here in Houston with my husband. Um, we've been married for three years and he is a riot and regularly um, teases me about my disability and we joke um, a lot because I definitely think that part of, you know, really staying positive is to find humor in, in these crazy situations that we find ourselves in, in the life of a disability. Um, and yeah, what else can I tell you? We, random fact, we have been to over a hundred Mexican food restaurants together in our relationship. Um, so that tells you several things about me. I love Mexican food. I enjoy going out to eat and I like to make random lists of things that I've done. So um, yeah, so I've, I um, love to travel and, um, you know, teaching has been the best possible career I could have ever picked um, for having a disability. I literally have, 22 little helpers that are available um, to help me accomplish the physical tasks that I so um, desperately want to do, but am not able to. And so, um, you know, if you're a, if you're a natural teacher, just in the way you are in life, um, I just really recommend the teaching career for people with disabilities because that assistant piece is is amazing with with having kids around. So it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. So that's just kind of me in a, a quick little nutshell. Well, let's, let's talk about, uh, teaching. Um, so, so I know that, um, you know, living with a disability and, and you mentioned your strength isn't what it used to be. Um, I'm thinking a little bit about COVID and the current landscape is teaching more of a challenge now that you don't have your little helpers around. Are you remote at this time? Could you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, that's such a good question. And it, it's, you know, I, I like to refer to the good old days of teaching pre-COVID uh, when I talk about my career. Um, but yeah, that is very much a reality and having, um, you know, kind of the shutdown in March and I've been home since then. Um, in Texas, everyone is back to work um, and the kids have a choice of being virtual or in person. Um, but I was very lucky that the, um, the ADA is in place um, and it's it works and you have to ask for those accommodations um, and advocate for yourself. And so for me, my school district allows me to stay home and teach virtually. So I have um, some kiddos that are home as well and they are all online with me. And then my ones that are in live and in person, I have a webcam in the corner of my classroom and I'm watching them. And then I am truly like, the great and powerful Oz on the screen because they can see me up at the front of the room and I'm just kind of giving them instructions um, throughout the day and, and, and teaching. And um, yeah, Matt, like it's, it's kind of crazy that I'm, I'm basically home alone for a vast majority of the day. And so I have, you know, wonderful caregivers that help um, provide for me because there's, um, you know, very little things that I can do completely independently. And so, um, you know, they kind of get everything set up for me and ready to go. And, and unfortunately, you know, sometimes things happen and, you know, stuff will fall on the ground and I'm like, oh, wow, I wish there was an eight-year-old around me that he could come pick it up. But you just kind of have to to move on and, and figure out something else. And I, I, you know, that's very much how having a disability is like, there's just things that don't go the way that you want them to go. And so you have to figure out an alternative and, an, and a solution to that problem that's going to work for you. Um, so I've had to be very creative these, you know, this last two semesters that I've been at home to, to solve those problems. And I'm definitely missing my kids. Um, I, you know, I, I, that physical touch, you know, hugging a kid. And for me, I can't really use my arms very well. And so having a kid come up and, and give me a hug, that, that means a lot. And, and it's something that I certainly valued um, during the good old days of teaching, um, the 20 years that I was physically in the classroom. But it's certainly something that I appreciate and value so much more now um, that I don't have that interaction with the kiddos every day. So, for our audience that doesn't know what spinal muscular atrophy or SMA is, can you give us kind of a, a brief overview of, of what that is and, and what it's like to be a person living with SMA? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to give it in the most layman's terms, terms possible because I am, and I'll admit this, I'm a terrible science teacher. It is not my forte. I don't speak science at all. So I'm going to put it in the terms that I kind of explain it to my kids um, and that um, it's a genetic disorder. So I was, I was born with the disease. Um, both of my parents carried the gene for it. They didn't know it. Um, it had never been in our family before. And um, so one in 40 adults carry the gene and both parents have to um, have the gene. And then once they do, it's a one in four chance that their child will have SMA. And so um, for better or for worse, my parents, uh, found each other and they're a wonderful couple. And I was the result of their marriage. And, um, you know, having SMA just basically means that, um, your muscles slowly get weaker. They slowly atrophy. So spinal muscular atrophy literally means all of the muscles associated with, 
um, all of the messages that are in your spinal cord. So it goes in, anywhere from my mouth being able to swallow all the way down to my tippy toes. And I have full feeling. I don't have any paralysis. Um, and I'm able to um, uh, use the restroom and function um, like an able-bodied adult. Um, but I need help um, to do all of those things because I am, am very weak um, in my extremities and um, I have some lung issues that I have to make sure that I'm very careful. And so COVID has kind of um, put a red flag on that, that I have to be very um, cautious and not um, let any sickness, you know, get worse. And so I have to be really careful with that. Although I will say that working with children and being on like the snot and sneeze level of kids, like literally y'all, they, they sneeze on me. And so I feel like my, my immune system has just been remarkable to the point of, um, praise God, my husband got COVID. Um, and you know, we were in the same house together and I was like, Oh my gosh. And, um, anyway, I feel so blessed that I, I, either fought it off or somehow we did the exchange germs. Um, but I, I really kind of credit working with little kids because it's really built up my immune system. And I feel like that was a really long way to tell you about SMA, but there you go. <laughs> no, that, that was a great description. And, and uh, you know, I can relate. I've got an 11 and 13 year old, so I'm not a teacher, but I, I have been their snot rag a time or two <laughs> in, in my life. So, um, you know, I, I think, I think it does help build up your immune system. And I'm so thankful that um, you didn't end up with, with the COVID, especially given some respiratory issues. So um, I want to talk a little bit about treatments in SMA. So are there treatments available? You met, you mentioned it's a genetic disease. Is there any way they can modify the disease course? Yeah. So this, it's so funny because I, um, I really lived my whole life, um, you know, raising money for different charities that support, um, finding a cure for SMA or a treatment. Um, but the reality for me was that I just, I was just living life, right. And enjoying it to the maximum ability and just kind of dealing with my situation as, as it was. And so I never really thought, oh, this is this is going to happen. We're going to we're going to come up with a treatment or a cure. Um, I just kind of thought that was this distant kind of sci-fi um, almost um, kind of wish. And I was very lucky enough to um, attend a um, science convention, which don't ask why they sent me, but they did. Um, and I was supposed to report back in a blog um, for people just to kind of update them on what was going on um, in the science community regarding different neuromuscular diseases. And um, again, like, I don't really think I was doing the greatest of job. I really think there was like commentary on like what the girl in front of me was wearing, which is so sad, but true. Um, so I'm, I'm like listening and trying to understand what they're saying. And then at one point, um, there was a gentleman who got up and spoke about um, a treatment, a, a drug for SMA. And I, I looked at the person next to me and I said, did I, did I understand that? He basically was saying that the treatment was low, low hanging fruit. Um, and he said that this drug would be, um, available within five years. And, oh my gosh, like I, it was unbelievable. I was 35 at the time. And, you know, I feel like most women, 
um, really dread turning 40, right? Like it's just this like, oh, I don't know, something happens emotionally when you turn 40. And so for me, like hearing that there would be this treatment on the market within five years, that that was my 40th birthday present. And um, and sure enough, there there is um, there are now several drugs on the market that are available. I'm um, currently taking a drug called Ivrisd, um, and it's a, a liquid medication um, that I take every morning, and um, it's like my quadruple shot of espresso. And I really like the energy that it gives me is amazing. Um, I've just been able to um, regain some muscle function and really improve upon my respiratory. Um, my diaphragm muscle, but most importantly, and the miracle of all of it is that it's stopping the progression of my disease. So um, I think I neglected to say that SMA continues to get worse. Like it's very slow um, at the kind of a snail pace, but it certainly um, does continue to get worse throughout your lifespan. And I I don't know anybody. Um, I haven't met anyone personally in their you know 70s and 80s um, who have SMA. Um, and how I, we're going to change that. And so people um, can live longer because that progression will stop. Um, and so it's just this, you know, it's this kind of amazing time to be alive with SMA because there's things that we can do about it now. Um, and so that's, that's just something to celebrate. That's really awesome that you're able to kind of find that hope and look forward to better things to come. Um, especially given everything you've been through, like your attitude is so awesome about everything. So I have to applaud you for that. Uh, you mentioned a couple of times, some things that you can't do, or maybe you struggle to do. Can you tell us a little bit about things that you can do? Yeah. I, I, in fact, it's funny that you say that. Like I, I literally, um, I tell my students all the time, you know, I could spend the rest of your third grade career listing the things that I can't do. I mean, really there's, there, it's, it's endless. And, um, but there are things that I can do. Um, there, are, I say that there are three things that I can do by myself successfully. So um, I can brush my teeth. I'm still able to do that myself. And um, I can feed myself. I'm really good at that. I told y'all earlier about the Mexican food situation. Um, and then I can put on my own makeup because I'm really grateful for that. I'm terrified, terrified of clowns. I'm so sorry if any of you out there listening are um, a clown on the side. Thank you for your service. Um, but I am enormously terrified of you. <laughs> um, and I don't want to look like a clown. So those are my three things that I, I'm still able to do and I can do um, on my own. But everything else um, I need help doing. But there's still, I can. I, I can be a teacher. I can be a wife. Um, I can be a traveler. And so I do all of those I cans because I have help. And I very much believe, and I can spend a lifetime talking about it as well, in the art of asking for help. Like I, I just believe so much um, that no matter what your ability level is, if you're completely independent and able-bodied, if you are um, only able to blink, you know, whatever it is, when you ask for help, um, we are exponentially more successful and able to accomplish things and have an endless amount of I can's that we can focus on instead of thinking about those I can'ts. Um, so I think that um, my ability to ask for help from um, my community, from my loved ones, from my students, literally from strangers, I'm not afraid to ask for help and I, and I do it in a way um, that people want to help me again. And, and that's really the key. It's an art form. 
Absolutely. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. So, you know, in addition to traveling and Mexican food, are there any, are there any social things you like to do, uh, you know, get out of the house and maybe do a little dancing? <laughs> yes, I, um, I definitely do love dancing and I, I'm, you know, my husband is like, he, he, I'm telling y'all, he's, he's really the funniest man I know. And, um, he teases me about my dancing and, um, we are, I don't know that we definitely, we go out as much as we used to, um, for dancing. Cause that, that 43, you know, used to, you would go out at 10 o'clock at night and pretty much putting on the pajamas at 10 o'clock at night. So going out dancing, isn't quite as much fun as it used to be, but y'all we are way into karaoke. <laughs> like we ordered this really fancy karaoke machine from the Philippines where like karaoke is everything. And so we, or we got this machine and we have a lot of karaoke parties, which I don't know if that makes us old again in that bracket or if we're super fun and cool because we definitely keep our, our music choices um, new and fresh. Um, but yeah, we're, we're karaokeers. Is that a word? I don't know. Um, that's just like this joyful activity for us. And um uh, Justin, my husband, is an amazing chef. Um, on our first date, uh, we were, he was like, we need to measure the, the width of your chair. And I was like, what for? And he said, well, I need to know if my, my chopping board is going to be wide enough to fit, to fit on the front of your wheelchair. Because if I'm going to cook for you, you're not just going to sit there and watch. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I, um, I'm kind of sous chef. He literally closes his eyes when I'm using the knife because my abilities are are just not not a it's it's just not a good situation watching me cut uh, and dice celery and carrots and that sort of thing. But but I do it, and he definitely helps me to feel like I am contributing in the kitchen, um, which I love about him as well. And I think that that's part of choosing just this great partner in my life is that he um, makes me feel like I am. Um, contributing in big ways, even though it's probably um, something he could have done way faster and in uh, much more uh, precise chef ways, et cetera, in, in our life. So um, I, th I think that that's, that's just this amazing piece of our relationship as well. But yeah, we just enjoy, enjoy, enjoy spending time together and with friends and can't wait for um, the pandemic to settle down a little bit so that we can kind of rejoin and, and continue with those activities that we love so much. Yeah, I, I definitely hear you on that. Um, and it does sound like he does need your help. You know, he wanted <laughs> to fit you for that chopping block. So, uh, you know, I know being a cook myself, it's always great to have extra hands in the kitchen. Yeah. As we start to wind down here, I was just wondering if you have any links or resources that you want to share with our community. Yeah, well, just first of all, I would just encourage anybody um living with SMA, like just to find out as much information as you can about the, the drugs that are available. I, you know, obviously a RISD is something that has been life-changing for me. And, and I, I, I know it's available uh, for people of all ages. And I, I think it's something that no matter what stage of development um, you're in or your child is in, um, making sure that they're receiving the, the proper care um, in regards to the new treatments is so important. Um, just a little bit of um, self-promotion. I um, recently started a company with my husband. Um, it's called Cobble and Stone Consulting. 
Um, and I, I don't love the word life coach. Um, I think it can tend to be cliche. Um, so I coined a new phrase and um, I serve as an abilities advisor for people, um, just kind of helping them to navigate life and, and lead as independent of a life as they can. And so um, just providing those um, services and guidance of, of helping people kind of to just to illuminate those opportunities of independence. So, um, you know, I, I would definitely promote that as well and encourage people um, to visit my website. And, you know, if I'm happy to answer questions and that sort of thing, if I can support people in any way, because I'm just very, very passionate about um, people with disabilities living productive and independent lives and, you know, kind of maximizing the resources that we've got in, in order to do so. So I think those would be my, my two things that I would uh, want to encourage people to, to take a look at. I, I love the term abilities advisor that that is I need one of those myself. <laughs> I, if, if I wanted to if I wanted to go look it up, what was that web address? Yeah, so it's called cobble and stone um, We chose cobble and stone because, as I said, we really like to travel. Um, however, in visiting places like London and Paris and even, you know, in cities on the East Coast here in the United States, um, when I am faced with cobble and stone streets, um, excuse me, cobblestone streets, it can be overwhelming and it's, it's bumpy and it's miserable. Um, but if I didn't kind of take them on and, and go through it and go over them, um, then I would miss out on some really neat opportunities for fun. And so um, I think that that's a lot of life is that people with disabilities kind of, um, you know, hit the brakes and think I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to get down this road. Um, and the reality is if, if you try and if you have guidance and you can, um, the other side and the reward and the experiences are, are just incredible. So um, we kind of named it um, in honor of, of those streets that I thought were um, a little bit tough to manage, but we did it anyway. That's amazing. Um, coming from Boston and being in Faneuil Hall oh. my whole life, I've, I yeah. lived around Cobblestone, so I can't yeah. imagine what it'd be like. Um, and, and thank you for moving those stones out of people's paths and, and giving <laughs> them the ability to see life the way you do. As we're coming to a close here, do you have any closing thoughts that you want to share with maybe other people living with spinal muscular atrophy or parents that um, just learned that they have a child diagnosed with SMA? Yeah, I kind of, um, I have a mantra, um, coach John Wooden, a basketball coach, um, said that things turn out best for those who make the best of the way things turn out. Um, and I think that, you know, there are certain things in our lives that are out of our control, that we've been given um, this certain set of circumstances and specifically disabilities. Um, you know, it's not a choice, um, but at the same time, it is our choice. Um, to to look at it from a positive side and to to turn those uh, challenges into opportunities and as cliche as it is um, and that's certainly not my intention to make light of anybody's difficulties but um, if you can really make the best out of a situation um, life is so much more enjoyable and and rewarding um, when you're able to kind of see it from a different perspective so um, I would just encourage anybody um, to take a look at life from a really positive side as your show is so amazing and, and doing for the community. So I just thank you so much for letting me be here with you. It's awesome. 
Well, and we thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and we wish you continued success and I can't wait till you can get it out there and sing karaoke again. Yes, I agree. <laughs> All right, Angela, thank you so much for coming to the show on behalf of Tara. I'm Matt. This is Situation Positive, and we look forward to bringing you another inspirational story soon.